there's no better feeling than a personal win. And the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with the personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. The NBA playoffs are here, and we all know playoff mode is a thing. Listen to the evidence. Playoff crowds are going wild. Playoff players are lighting up the court. Even your speakers are in playoff mode. Okay, we'll take it down a notch, but just a notch, because this is the Turn It Up to 11 NBA Playoffs. Playoff mode is clearly a thing. The NBA Playoffs presented by Google Pixel continue on ABC, ESPN, TNT, and NBA TV. Welcome to the Bike Radar Podcast, brought to you by the team behind BikeRadar.com, Cycling Plus, and MBUK magazines. If you enjoy this episode, please subscribe. And if you can do so, leave us a rating on your podcast provider of choice. It really helps us reach other cyclists like you. Hello, welcome to the Bike Radar Podcast. My name's Tom Marvin, Senior Technical Editor here at BikeRadar.com, as well as on MBUK magazine and occasionally in Cycling Plus too. Joining me in the podcast studio today, we have two other of our senior technical editors. First up, we've got Al Evans. He's one of our mountain bike senior tech editors on bikecradle.com and also in MBUK as well. How are you getting on, Al? Yeah, I'm great. Thanks, Tom. Yeah. Excellent. It's like looking in a mirror being oh, here with you. It is, isn't it? Yeah. Are you enjoying being down in the office? You're usually a resident of Scotland. Yes. Yeah, which is actually very relevant to today's Ooh, conversation. Nice. Which we'll yeah, get on to. It's mild down here. I'm in uh, shorts and t shirt. And it is late October. And it was 15 degrees when I pedaled in this morning in a shirt and gilet. <laughs> also I, relevant. Also. And you looked sweaty when you got here. I mean that nicely. I mean, but, I always look quite sweaty. Yeah. No, that, that was uh, more more indicative of the, the temperature that we're currently experiencing. It certainly is pleasant. Yeah. Sun's out, guns out. Also joined by <laughs> uh, also joined by Warren Rosters, our senior road technical editor across Bike Radar and Cycling Plus magazine. How are you getting on, Was? I'm very good, thanks, mate. Excellent, excellent. Did you have a nice warm cycling today? Or you said you got the train, didn't you? I got a bit of a mix, yeah. So I, I've bikes, trained, biked. So bikes, yeah, trains, automobiles, yeah, aeroplanes. Yeah, I was yeah basically in a t-shirt, which is very weird. As soon as we, you know. It's nearly Halloween. It is nearly, it is nearly Halloween. That's why I was in a t-shirt, <laughs> scaring people. <laughs> <laughs> With your Scottish skin. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Lovely stuff. Al, what have you been up to recently? Uh, I've actually been testing a, a load of products, um, slash I'm about to test a load of products. So uh, two, once again, relevant ones to this podcast. Uh, I'm going to 
drop some names. We might have to pick them up. I don't sure. know. Uh, oh, just kick the table. Sorry about that. Uh, we've got the uh, Rock Rider mountain bike winter all weather pants, which. Uh, we mean the American version of pants or the British version of pants? The American version of pants, but I believe they're called pants. Right, okay. So they are actually trousers. Not waterproof underpants. No, they are trousers. Okay. Um, and these are a high scoring product on Bike Radar, Ooh. as tested by me. Uh, but this is the latest iteration of them. Okay. So I've been putting them through their uh, uh, soggy, not soggy paces. Mm-hmm. But also, slightly more uh, exciting, and this would be a strange combination to wear together, is Rafa's Gore-Tex Infinium MTB oh, trail jacket. Oh, you little bugger. Mate, I was straight in there when I saw that email <laughs> come through. I was like, I'll be having one of those, please. Um, so wearing those with the Rock Rider pants is quite a combo. Yeah. Because on the one hand, you've got like a 40 quid slash, you know, 40 euro. Mm-hmm. And on the top, you're wearing like a 300 quid, 300 quid yeah. fancy jacket. Yeah. Um, so yeah, very posh. Nice. Mm. Warren, what are you up to? Uh, aside from the usual um, slew of bikes that I've got going on at the minute, I've um, been trying out the new Garmin Edge Explore 2, which okay. is kind of their budget yeah. budget version. Um, quite impressed with it. You know, it, Size-wise, it sits between the size of an 830 and the 1040. It's less than half the price of a 1040. Okay. And does probably 85, 90% of what a 1040 yeah. does. Does it still have all the slightly annoying user interface issues that all No, Garmin the, the to new have? Garmin user interface, I'm really impressed really? with. Really? Really impressed with. Drove me wild just... on the uh, 1030 I was using recently. I, I wonder if people with the older generation ones are going to be able to benefit from a, from the updated. I don't know whether, yeah, I, I haven't tried to update my, my yeah. 1030 for a while, but I'm kind of used to, I'm used to its quirks, but yeah. still. Quirks is a friendly term. I'm not not but to hate powerful. on Garmin. I still yeah. think it's probably the best GPS system out there, but it blows my mind sometimes as how yeah, uh, it is. Aside from that, I've been trying out the new Seven Mesh sort of autumn winter gravel kit. Okay, really impressive. Is really, it really good with that? Um, is it WVF? Ah, um, WTV. WTV. Yeah. Yeah. yeah WTV fabrics. Really, really uh, good. Okay. What the Velo? Is that what that stands for? <laughs> <laughs> Wind thermal ventilation. Oh, there you go. Technical term. Um, I might speak to you later on, Warren, because I'm uh, I'm reviewing a seven mesh gravel pair of bib shorts at the moment, and I have questions. Okay. Yeah, you've also got an, uh, the rest of the seven mesh outfit. I think, didn't you? You got the uh, autumn winter 2022 catalog. Uh, if only, if only I have the WTV Chilcot Anorak, which is their sort of like casual mountain biking gravel cool non-aero gravelly like anorak jacket thing which i wear a lot not on the bike because it's nice and also their sort of more roadie sort of slim cut um jersey which is quite nice actually um, and i've got some of their revo shorts coming because uh i'm in the process of testing both winter mountain bike shoes and waterproof mountain bike shorts yeah which are an interesting item i will personally put out there Waterproof shorts. Yeah. Confusing. I, <laughs> yeah. I quite like them. Yeah, yeah. well, we're going to have to have this debate in a minute, then, we'll, aren't we? We'll have a chat about yeah. this. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, aside from seven mesh, I've also got Sportful's um, winter metro kit, okay. which is kind of uh, like urban s- stuff? soft shell urban uh-huh. stuff that's kind of almost it's good enough for the office and all that sort of stuff, but, yeah. but still quite techy, quite performance. Mm-hmm. Aside from that, Physique's new Arctica. Ah, uh, yes. Winter boot so I have the mountain bike version. I've been a, yeah, I was a huge fan of the road ones, the previous generation road ones. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I want to see how they, yeah. they fare. My mountain bike ones arrived this morning um, and they've sent the grape or purple version. Beautiful. They look good. They look good. Yeah. 
they, they're going to they be also, brown as well. Yeah, so. That's the that's the terra, which they also market as a yes. gravel as well. Yeah, they've sent me those as well. Uh, okay. In that same colour. In that same colour. Yeah. I think everyone's got that colour. Yeah. yeah. We can yeah, we can <laughs> compare notes. Perhaps. We can compare dancing shoes. There we go. <laughs> Feeling very left out over here. Well, it's because you wear flat pedals, isn't yeah, it? That's true. That's your problem. <laughs> Children pedals. Um Right, so today, if you haven't picked up on our subtle hints mm. um, or read the pod description and the title of the podcast. Um, Maybe it was on like your play next in a queue yeah. and you didn't click on it. So thanks for listening. <laughs> yeah, thanks for still listening five minutes in. Well done. Um, we are going to be talking about how to love riding through winter. Because certainly up here in the the wetter reaches of the Northern Hemisphere, i.e. Britain, and I guess also maybe like the east and west coast of North America, um, large parts of Europe, where a lot of you listeners come from. New Zealand, Japan. Yeah, globally, yeah. basically, unless you live in that sort of central the equatorial equator, yeah. belt <laughs> or the far north or weirdly Antarctica. Yeah. Winter is a pretty grim time to ride your bike. Yeah, um, We're not going to talk about, um, say, like the Midwest, right, where it gets properly cold. We're talking about temperate winter here where it rains. Yeah, and it snows three times in a year. Yeah, um, we're yeah, we're not not like fat biking and no, no, um, no, no. heated no. everything. Those of those people out there who are doing that, you're very brave. Um, I've done it once, and it's not something I ever feel like I need to repeat. But I'm sure you've got lots of more detailed information from slightly more niche sources than us. <laughs> but we're going to talk about how to ride through the winter with. Um, a little view on how to do it here in the UK because we all do it because well partly we love riding bikes in theory uh, riding in winter has its own charm uh, but also we're contractually obliged to keep riding through winter like we can't avoid it so we, we've got pretty good at it yeah well there's definitely fi finessing the technique to a winter ride is mm. uh, is crucial yeah so in this podcast we're going to look at things like what kind of clothing do you need to stay comfortable warm and in some ways safe when riding through winter, we're going to look at the sort of the equipment that you might want to bolt onto your bike or change on your bike to make sure it is well primed for getting out on the trails or out on the road. And also looking at the bike maintenance schedules. Do we need to make sure that everything is running nice and smooth um, to make sure we're getting the best out of those limited hours of riding? And then we might even touch on some safety bits and pieces as well, because ultimately it tends to be dark, wet, gloomy, and cars are made of a ton of metal and they, they tend to hurt and we want to avoid all of those. So there might be um, some information as well as some sprinklings of our own recommendations of our favourite little bits and pieces as we go. So let's kick off with clothing. Al, what do you wear in the Blimey. deep midwinter? Well, I, I wear everything. I, I go into the wardrobe, I put it all on, and then I leave the wardrobe. Right, and that's that's when you sat in your house. Yes, this is, this <laughs> is the indoors. When, when I go cycling, I take quite a few layers off. Now, you've got to be sensible, right? So you, you need to you need to look out your window and decide... The, what what the conditions are doing right is and it what they might do later on exactly is it wet is it dry is it cold is it mild you know slightly less cold for the purpose of this mm -hmm. podcast um, and then you want to decide whether you want to stay warm or dry because it's quite hard to do both. both this is this is like a thing um where you know you wear like the best waterproof jacket in the world but you have got really sweaty well you might not be wet from the rain but you're going to be wet from the inside. Mm. So, you know, staying warm is probably a bigger priority than staying dry. And then staying warm once you've got wet mm -hmm. is another big thing. So for me, um, standout bits of kit in terms of like what I would be looking for is decent pair of socks, 
decent gloves. So your extremities, keeping your extremities warm is is great. And that, that heat does come from the core. But, you know, if you're wearing summer gloves in the middle of winter, you're probably not going to have very happy fingers, mm. you know. Um, so, you know, you, you look at your extremities first, you know, okay, nice nice pair of gloves, nice pair of socks, maybe seal skins, you know, some seal skin socks. Um, they're waterproof. They actually genuinely are waterproof. Mm. They are very good. Um, and same with the gloves, you know, you could look at lots of various brands out there, but some nice insulated gloves that maybe have a, a thin palm. Mm-hmm. Um, so that you still have a nice feel through the handlebars. You know, I'd maybe recommend that. And then the backs are insulated to keep the wind off and to keep you warm. Uh, a base layer. Now, natural materials, uh, I'm going to say it, are better than synthetic ones. I disagree, but carry on. Great. I like this. This is good. So for me, a merino merino wool base layer. I love it. Absolutely love it. Now, they're maybe not quite as good as the marketing says, i.e. if you're soaking wet, you're still going to get a little mm. bit cold. Um, they don't dry as quickly as they claim they do. Or ever. They do dry. You, you just have to, you have to work harder, Tom. No. So uh, in my opinion, a, a natural fiber is better than a synthetic one. And they also don't smell quite as bad, quite as quickly. Mm-hmm. They definitely smell bad. Then you want to look at your, like, your mid layer, which is your insulative layer. So the, the, the bottom layer is, is kind of for like a comfort thing, basically. It's... You know, it, it it keeps the heat next to your skin, but the insulation that gives your body the heat is the next layer. It's your mid layer, and this doesn't necessarily have to be a waterproof. Um, so, like a you know, a very lightweight down jacket or a Polartec style fleece would be really good. I know Fox do a do one of their crazy look like a scuba diver with the mm, hood I've up. I've got one. Yeah, so do I. They're amazing. Mm. The, the the hood goes right over to to your brow, and the the, the chin piece comes up mm. like onto your nose, like a little body condom. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, precisely. Yeah, you're much better with words than me. <laughs> um, and then and then obviously your outer layer is a jacket, and it's the same the same for your for your legs when you're mountain biking. You probably run your knee pads, just your standard summer bib shorts. But then look at some waterproof trousers because mm. this is where quite a lot of the gains are made mm-hmm. is actually in, in your lower half. Okay. We'll go on to some specific products in a minute. But Warren, let's talk road and gravel riding. Now, road cycling tends to be a little bit more static on the bike and I find it's colder going road riding in the winter than it is on a mountain bike, personally. Higher yeah. speeds, more wind chill, less overall body movement. I think the, the main thing with that is you just tend to – you need to really dress not – just for the weather, but also for the occasion. Mm-hmm. So if you're going out for a quick blast, you'll be wearing something different than you would be if you're going to be heading out all day. Okay. You know, um, and also I'd say, you know, there are a few, there's probably a few things you just need to invest in. I mean, a first quality pair of winter bibs, right? Um, which can be full length, three quarters if you mm-hmm. prefer that sort of thing, or even um, a good pair of winter bib shorts and just add leg warmers. Mm. Um, on top, over a base layer, you want a mid layer, you know, or, you know, which can just be a long sleeve jersey. Doesn't necessarily be anything that super technical. Then probably a soft shell if it's like not looking, you know, super wet. Um, and the other thing is, it's like being able to layer up, especially on a road bike, because if you're setting off like first thing in the morning, it can be zero or it can be minus. But mm. by the time you're out for a couple of hours, the temperature could have got up to about ten degrees. Mm. You know, and then all of a sudden you're you're starting to bake. Mm. And so being able to you know adjust as you ride is really good. I mean, I tend to sort of. Um, personally I, you know because our, our winters are pretty temperate we don't mm. doesn't really get that cold that much anymore so i tend to you know normally go long sleeve base layer forego the jersey layer stick a soft shell on and have a you know have a, a hard shell that's waterproof and it just screwed up in a pocket in okay. case it rains um 
I would say is, um, you know, one of one of the things I've kind of learned over the years is like, especially if it's wet out, is ride with spares. So mm-hmm. normally one of my jersey pockets will have, you know, a Ziploc bag with a spare pair of gloves in it. So once your gloves get soaked through, especially when you're riding road because you're te- you know, mm. your, your hands are basically out in front yeah. and being hit by that wind chill. Nothing worse than when your hands get wet mm. and cold and then they start to tingle and you're never going to get that feeling back. Mm. But being able to stop, whip off a you know, wet pair of gloves and put a fresh pair of dry ones on, absolutely worth it. Mm-hmm. Um, overshoes is a really good idea, um, you know, because again, it's it's about keeping those extremities warm um, and dry. Um, although I would say, you know, after years and years of using overshoes and getting through two or three pairs every winter, because they always tear, they mm-hmm. always split. Um, a, a good pair of winter boots uh, mm-hmm. is one of my you know best things. And as I say, like the Physic Arctica, the last generation ones, were one of my favourites. Actually, Shimano's cheapest. I can't remember what it's called, the WH, but it's only about £100 a pair. They're brilliant, proper mm-hmm. Gore-Tex layer. They are waterproof mm-hmm. um, as uh, you know, as much as they can be. Um, and then the other thing I'll say, hat, you know. Okay. School yeah. cap underneath your helmet, just, you know, you, you're losing, what, a third of your body heat out from mm. your head. So, you know, taking care of that, mm-hmm. absolutely, you know, essential. Okay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee, and you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewelry that makes you look like a gem, sneakers and streetwear so fresh, every step feels fly. eBay gets it, so look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love, and be confident that every inch, stitch, sole, and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. The NBA playoffs are here, and we all know playoff mode is a thing. Listen to the evidence. Playoff crowds are going wild. Playoff players are lighting up the court. Even your speakers are in playoff mode. Okay, we'll take it down a notch, but just a notch, because this is the turn it up to 11 NBA playoffs. Playoff mode is clearly a thing. The NBA playoffs presented by Google Pixel continue on ABC, ESPN, TNT, and NBA TV. Some of my favorites are I'm, I'm a big fan of windstopper materials. Like, I, you know, if it's hooning it down with rain, I have the luxury sometimes of not having to ride because I ride so much. I don't, I'm not, consp- I ha- don't have to ride on a Saturday morning. So it's very lucky that that. So I tend to try and ride when it's raining less. And windstopper stuff is brilliant, I find, for keeping me warm, whether it's on the gloves, keeping the chill off the hands, or on the body. Um, I have a, a couple of pairs of uh, Gore did a base layer. I think there's a couple more out there now. A couple of base layers with a windstopper front um, and front of the shoulders and front of the arms on the long sleeve one. And I've got a couple of them. I bought some of those myself because they're so damn good at sort of taking the breeze off. And you can wear it underneath the regular sort of like mountain bike jersey so you, you keep your aesthetic of of looking cool. Or you can put it under like a, a long sleeve but slightly thermally road jersey or gravel jersey and you sort of you just got an extra bit of protection there as well. And they're, they're very nice. Yeah. Um, and I'd echo on the footwear thing, winter boots. On so I ride clips, and it's a lot easier as a clip rider because there's basically there's pretty much only one flat pair of winter proper winter sort of riding shoes. But on the mountain bike side of things, on the clip side of things, there's a lot of options. They tend to be a bit more sort of like the the cross country style. There's very few of like the trailer ones, and I was I was actually a little bit disappointed. The Shimano redid the MW7, which is their sort of their classic mountain bike winter boot last year's version was sort of quite a trail orientated looking shoe and this year it's gone back to a, a more cross-country style um, but they are very good 
So on the on the shoes thing, um, this is applicable to both road and mountain bike. They are only as good as the protection above them. Yes. Now, in that respect, okay, you've got a waterproof shoe. Brilliant. It's got a lovely Gore-Tex layer. Well, the problem with that is that it can actually keep water inside yes. them. Okay, then they act like a wetsuit. And yes, you can warm the water up with your feet. Mm-hmm. And yes, you know, your feet will stay warm, but they'll definitely be wet. So if you've got waterproof trousers on your mountain bike and they're, you know, in fashion, so mm-hmm. fairly shortcut and you've got exposed sock, that water is just going to wick straight, straight down in into there. the shoe. Yeah. As soon as you hit the first splash, same on the road bike with your your tights, you know, I mean, when I was commuting for, you know, every day to and from Bath mm. to Bristol, my God, it was such a battle trying to keep mm. my feet warm and dry, um, you know, with water just wicking down yeah. the, the, the tights into the into the shoes so that's where it comes into the conversations over footwear of do you go full winter boot and commit to wearing longer waterproof trousers or whatever it is or maybe consider wearing a lighter weight shoe which is going to dry quickly maybe one which is a bit more synthetic in its construction less padded and lighter weight and wear it with the aforementioned sealskin socks yeah absolutely and, and that's kind of the route that i've ended up going down okay um is a, a long pair of sealskin socks mm-hmm. so you know yeah, mid calf thigh calf length sorry yeah. Heck, yeah. <laughs> the <laughs> right, right the way up <laughs> get them up there uh and and five tens trail cross xt shoe which is like right. a really lightweight yeah, yeah. shoe and you know the water will literally just drain straight out of that yeah the sock keeps you dry because there's a massive overlap between your trouser leg and your sock mm. water can't get up there yeah it just can't um, I mean, the pot consort MTB dungaree mm. look look absolutely beautiful. They are probably my favorite mountain bike riding trousers at the minute, okay. especially when it's really cold yeah. because of the, the dungaree nature of them. keeps you super warm. Water and mud can't go down the back into, mm-hmm. your, into your bum crack, um, which is really nice, mm-hmm. or down your bib shorts. Um, and they've got a pretty reasonable overlap onto the shoes. So most puddles you can get away without getting mm-hmm. super wet if you're wearing waterproof shoes. Um, obviously, if you're submerging yourself, then forget yeah, about it. No chance. Yeah. One of my favourite um, options, on, on, if we're talking a bit of outerwear now, is the onesie. I'm quite well known yeah. for my love of the onesie. I think it's an incredible solution, even if they look slightly controversial. And while I love, uh, I, th- I think it's more that I love the concept rather than the reality of them. So the concept being that your jacket and your trousers are linked. So there's, you know, your trousers can't fall down when they get muddy and covered in crap. They're not going to start slipping down. You don't have to hoik them up. And there's also no gap between your jacket and your, and your trousers. So stuff doesn't go at the back, especially. Yeah. And they work really well. They look a bit uh, interesting. Yeah. Um, although Endura's MT500, the posh one, which is the MT500, looks better because there's like a baffle around it. So it looks like two separate items. Um, but they do a cheaper one, which is a single track, which doesn't have that. But I would argue it's probably the best, better of them, um, personally, because I think the, the, this this is my beef with them, is that I don't think anyone's made a good one yet. Mm. So Scott have just come out with a new one. Have they? Yeah, it looks good. I've got it. I hate to say it, Tom. <laughs> yeah, I know. Crushing dreams today. Um, yeah, it looks, looks really good, actually. Yeah. The, it looks like a separate jacket and, and bottoms, but they're, they're linked at the back. I shall be dropping my man at Scott a line. Yeah. Drop, drop your boy a line. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I can't remember where I was going with that. But, oh, yeah, that's right. So the onesie is also actually pretty good for commuting, you know. Yeah, yeah. Especially if you're on an e-bike or it's not particularly hilly um, and you can get away with wearing, you know, maybe one layer underneath. Mm. So probably not your jeans. Mm. You know, maybe you'd want a pair of shorts or some, you know, padded padded bibs or something. Yeah. 
um, you know, great for shorter commutes. I had a brilliant waterproof onesie from Tokyo Bike. I think it was the shop in London imported. I can't remember the name of the, the brand. Uh, and they were they had all sorts of like funky colors and designs. And the one I had was basically like rubber duck yellow with like a bright orange end of arm on one side and end of leg on the other side, I think. And it was like just the best thing for commuting because as we'll talk about later on, like visibility on when you're on the road is really important. And I was like this massive moving yellow and orange target that everyone managed to dodge. Um, but from a getting to work from, you know, very dry and comfortable point of view, maybe not aesthetically, but it was bloody great. Yeah. Because then you can just put your civvies on when you get to exactly. your place of work. Yeah, yeah. Should we very quickly, maybe let's just talk about three of our three favorite bits of winter clothing and then we'll move on to bits about your bike. Um, Warren. What are your three key bits of winter kit, whether it's dry, warm, windproof, whatever? Um, shake dry jacket. Okay, go shake dry. Go shake dry. Um, just you know, light, versatile, very waterproof, mm-hmm. and you know, no waterproof jacket is going to be totally breathable, mm-hmm. but it's better than most. Yeah, and you know, I, I've got one now that's into like its fourth season. Okay, it's still going strong, so I'm impressed with that. Um, I would say on the winter bid tights front. Um, because I do tend to wear winter boots and mm-hmm. tend to have a neoprene cuff, always go for a winter bib tight that hasn't got stirrups. So right, you yeah. can wear it over your yeah. shoe. And, you know, so it's long enough. I think seven mesh are quite good, at, you know, for doing okay. that because um, with seven mesh, they they basically sew in a series of lines so you can cut the leg to length. They're la- laser huh. trimmed edges. Nice. Yeah. That's like, um, so you can cut them to your leg length. Yeah. So from a winter one, so you can leave them that little bit longer. So you've got a bit more stretch. So you can put it over the top of your shoe. Yeah. So you're not getting the water running inside. Yeah. It runs outside. Um, aside from that, uh, just a, a a good winter cap or a winter school cap. Yeah. You know, and glasses that are reactive. So they'll go clear to dark. So they're transitioning. Photochromic. Photochromic glasses. Nice. Because there's so much dirt and road spray. You know, yeah, you, yeah, you yeah. do need to wear an eyewear, but obviously you don't want, you don't want, um, your vision compromised. Absolutely. Al? I think I'm going to lead out with the humble buff. Yeah. Uh, which is, you know, similar to the, the skull cap kind of idea. Yeah. Basically, you can put it over your head for the climbs only, I would recommend, because, mm-hmm. um, you know, it can interfere with the protective mm-hmm. element of a, of a helmet. Um, but it just keeps either the wind off your hel- off your head or the rain, just keeps that little bit warmer sure. when you really want to be. Uh, and they're pretty cheap and, you know, they're easy to wash and you can find them everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, buffs are great. I've got a particular pair of gloves that are my faves. Uh, unsurprisingly, they're a Gore. Okay. Uh, Gore C5. They're called Gore C5 Gore-Tex Thermo Winter Gloves. Okay. Um, and they've got a leatherized palm. Um, so they're not amazing for feel on the descent, but when it's super cold, mm-hmm. you know, you can forgive them for that. They're mm-hmm. super waterproof, really comfy, super warm, um, nice fitting as well, like great. And they're good for road biking as well. Mm-hmm. Um, we actually reviewed a pair in 2020, I think, Okay. Um, on Bike Radar. Um, and the other ones are Fox's Ranger 3L water pants. Okay. Now, these are Fox's um, heaviest weight, most waterproof mm-hmm. riding trousers. Um they are a little short, so going back to the old shoe debate, they're probably not best suited to waterproof shoes. They're better for your waterproof sock slash lightweight shoe combo. But these are the only waterproof pants that I have managed to wear now um, since 2021, according to the reviews. Okay. Uh, probably actually got them a little bit before that because it takes a little while to review these before we publish it. They are still waterproof. Yeah. Even the bum. Nice. So, you know, these are super hard-wearing 
pants. Okay, they're expensive. They're around 175 quid, probably a little bit more now mm-hmm. since we reviewed them. Um, but I'm really impressed with them. And, you know, the, these are my go-to wet weather, cold weather pants. They're great. Okay. Yeah, that's what I would, that's what I personally recommend. Okay, okay. And some sealskin socks. I mean, they cannot not get mentioned, right? You, yeah, you got to have them in there. I mean, I'd say on the commuting side, uh, I'm a big fan of um, Chrome, do a storm pant. Okay. Which is, I think it's a three-layer fabric, but it's just really, really well cut. The problem with most kind of commuter rainwear is it, um, you look like a fisherman. Mm. You know, they just tend to be really odd, but they've got really nicely tapered legs. There's good cycling features on it. Mm-hmm. You could probably do with a little bit more reflectives, but they're actually performance-wise. They're right up there. Lovely. I am going to go for, it's a, it's a bit of a classic. It's the one that gets mentioned every year when we go through our favorite winter kit. The 100% brisker gloves. They're not great in like super cold, but they're good in sort of like shoulder season into sort of like slightly chilly or more athletic riding. You know, if you're actually trying real hard, they've got a beautiful like thin palm, really good feel. And then basically just a, a neoprene outer layer, which keeps the wind off, gives you a bit of insulation. And when they get wet, they still kind of have that almost wetsuit sort of performance so not quite as good as a full neoprene glove which i think always needs a bit of a shout out as being underrated neoprene gloves work really well in the wet um but yeah the, and it's cheap as well like 30 quid which for a, a high performing wintery product is actually pretty good and i think they do a hydro version of the brisker they do a hydro yeah they're pretty good the hydros yeah i've ridden better waterproof gloves they have like a a multi-layered palm so the feels compromised on the bar, but they are pretty good. They're pretty waterproof. Um, I'm also going to go for a non-waterproof trouser, just to mix it up a bit, because it's not always wet when you're riding. Um, And I find riding in trousers this time of year is great. Keeps the splashes off, because most of them do have a DWR coating on them, Um, but they're also sort of a bit warmer. They stretch over your knee pads nicely. Still got a good bit of ventilation, and they just keep you a bit cleaner. It's a bit easier to live with. Um, Yeah, because you're not having to clean your knee pads and your your bib shorts every time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I really like them. The the, the ones that sort of kind of the go-to has always kind of been nuke-proof blackline trousers. Uh, They're, you know, again, like they're something I sort of bought myself a couple of times but there's there's a few more out there at the moment um, that we've, we've been testing a lot across the team. Like we have emails that go around with, oh, what bits of kit have you got at the moment? What we need to testing? What to go into the mag? And everyone seems to have trousers. I know Rob really rated the Rafa ones, like seriously rated them. Was it the lights or the trails? Because there's a trail light and the trail. I'm not sure. Okay. We'd have to Sorry. check. Sorry, apologies. Um, or MBK413, I think it was. Um, but he really rated those. The Blackland ones are a bit more affordable. Um, and I've heard really good things about the decathlon trousers. The ones that I've got. Ah, they they non-waterproof ones then. Yes. There we go. They're called waterproof. They've got a waterproof patch. Right, okay. Um, but, but they're not full They're on not waterproof. fully waterproof, okay. yeah, yeah. Um, so that would be my, my second recommendation. My third is a bit more generic, um, only because the, the one that I have doesn't seem to be on sale anymore, but a gilet. I love a gilet for riding in, like... Arms are a really good way to lose heat if you're overheating. Like your forearms, that's why your people pull their arms up, you know, on the jerseys because heat just pumps out your forearms. Especially when you're as ripped as you are. Uh, when you're as ripped as I am. <laughs> um, but a gilet just keeps that warmth in your core and keeping your core warm is really important because that's where, you know, heat's generated and then it's pumped out to your extremities. So on that front, a gilet or the aforementioned uh, windproof base layer, brilliant, like brilliant things. 
So I'd just like to note that waterproof shorts didn't creep into waterproof any of our didn't creep into those. And as promised, maybe we should just discuss that Let's very briefly. quickly touch on it. So for me, the concept of waterproof short is a bit, it's a bit strange. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, they'll keep your bum dry yeah. from splash off the back and they'll keep a, the top portion of your thighs, depending on how open yeah. the hems are of each yeah. trouser leg, dry. But then water's going to be splashing up Mm-hmm. and they're going to get cold on the way up as well because, you know, it's open. There's no ceiling there. Mm. So for me, like, if it's cold, if it's wet, I'm probably not going to be wearing waterproof shorts. Your knee pads are going to get muddy. You've got the water running down your legs into your shoes problem. So even with waterproof socks, mm. your feet are not staying dry. No. Because th- there is no seal around the top of a waterproof sock. Um, so, But there are times when I don't want to wear a full waterproof trouser because A, they're expensive. There's no getting around that. And B, they're sweaty. They're very sweaty. So a waterproof short keeps the water, you know, it keeps the water off your bum, which from a comfort point of view on a long ride is really important because basically nobody wants a gritty bum. And it, that's a genuine, like it genuine, they, they make life so much more comfortable with that. If it's raining, they keep water off your thighs very effectively which is where a lot of heat can be lost. And yeah, your lower legs are going to get wet and cold, but generally speaking, like that doesn't really bother me a huge amount. And okay, like cold feet is a bit annoying, but again, like if it's really cold, then of course I'll be wearing waterproof trousers. But if it's like the temperatures like it is now, say 10, 12 degrees or 8 to 12 degrees, waterproof short is less sweaty, more comfortable, and will keep you the the bits that need to stay dry, dry. Interesting. Well, I tend to use a waterproof short for gravel as yeah but combined with like a pair of three quarters yeah you know so your, your knees are staying warm yeah, fairly bibs, dry yeah. yeah you know especially if you're using a you know a, a, a winter three-quarter bib that's kind of rebate fabric or dvr mm. coated so it's getting that splash off um and yeah they're not the sort of thing you'd you'd ride in a deluge so no. i'm not that concerned about feet wise i mean you can wear overshoes or or something like you know the kind of new generation of overshoes a little bit like spats which are like yeah. um foot condoms mm-hmm. which fit incredibly close and mm-hmm. incredibly tight um so yeah i quite i kind of i can see the point of yeah. a waterproof short you know it's not essential but it's a nice thing to have nice thing to have yeah so given a choice tom you, you have to buy one or the other right trousers or shorts trousers. right there you go <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> i mean one thing i would say you know when we're talking about clothing is um the toughest thing about any winter riding is the start Mm. it's literally it's bed gets from bed to bike yeah so i would say you know my biggest tip for that is just be a prepper mm. get everything ready the night before mm. what you're going to wear well that sort of thing even have like a i mean i have like a go-to like grab bag you know mm. if i'm going out for a gravel ride i've got a bar bag that's packed with all those essentials mm. i need so i'm not scrambling around in the morning looking at outside yeah it's miserable. Looking, out. looking for an excuse yeah. if everything's ready and good to go yeah now if i'm on a road bike then you know i've got a bottle with my spares and my tools yeah. and everything ready to go so you're literally you're getting up you're picking up you're getting clip dressed you're getting that stuff you're getting out and you're down the road before you mm. think oh this is horrible yeah you know? yeah <laughs> before you're regretting your life decisions <laughs> yeah. okay well before we move on from clothing we have talked about clothing a lot um but i think it's actually the most key thing about riding in winter um it is that time of year though where we'll all be doing batches and batches of keeping our waterproof kit nice and waterproof in the washing machine um so tech wash really is important tech wash it and make sure you do it run like a run a clean wash through your washing machine you know with no detergent or anything get it cleaned out because rinse and a spin if you don't want to do a full cycle because that is that sort of stuff is what kills waterproofs is the old detergent getting in the in the pores and that's when you think oh god i need a new waterproof you probably don't just give your water your washing machine 
an empty wash through at high temperature, get the detergent out, use a good tech wash. There are plenty out there, and you can get concentrates now, so it's not too expensive. And then use a good re-waterproofer. And then if it's allowed on your, you know, obviously I'm not going to say go and do it, but what I always do is either tumble dry or very gently through a couple of layers of tea towels, iron your waterproofs because the heat helps that DWR Reactivate regenerate itself. It, yeah. Yeah. I, was, I was going to say, if you don't own a tumble dryer, which, you know, is a luxury yeah, yeah. item, quite a lot of people don't, yeah. iron's much cheaper to buy and run. Yeah then an iron will reactivate your DWR. Yeah, but just super very, very, and don't blame us if it goes yeah, wrong. Yeah, we're sorry. Um, yeah, I remember say on the washing front, I mm. tend to use, um, have you ever used an eco egg? Oh, no, I haven't, but yeah. I keep meaning to. Yeah, but then I'll just go and buy Persil. We use an eco egg because it's like, there's no detergent in it, there's no fabric conditioners in it, mm. there's no chlorines or enzymes or anything like that. But it just really, really works. It's okay. perfect for like washing sports kit. Right. I found like, you know, especially stuff that's DWR treated and that's mm. lasts a lot longer if you use that rather than, right, okay. you know, chucking in a one of those pods you tell your kids not to eat yeah wow well i've learned something i'm going to go buy myself an eco egg i thought eggs were um things that you either laid yourself or were things that you <laughs> cracked open to make omelets from well, we learn something new every day yeah, yeah. or you got them at easter or you got them at easter um lovely yeah so yeah what look after your kit and, and keep it clean um like muddy kit you know give it a hose off maybe don't give it a full wash all the time because that you know like that can degrade as well but like keep it clean give it a good hose down at the end of the ride let it drip dry um, and then every sort of few rides, especially when it starts getting like kind of like give it a good wash and you'll, it'll, stuff should last for a long time. Yeah. Right. That was me banging the table. Because, because it's asserting the next point. <laughs> <laughs> moving on from clothing. Let's talk about the bikes. Now, obviously, we need Jack Luke in here because mudguards are his favorite topic. But I think it's fair to say that mudguards really do help on all spectrums of cycling when it comes to winter. Yeah. I know, Al, you're pretty pretty into the mudguards, so I'm going to go straight to Warren. Okay. Tell me about your thoughts on mudguards. That What's, was a tease. That, that was, was such a tease. tease. I was like, oh, <laughs> oh he's oh, killing yes. me up. <laughs> I think um, if you ride in a group, it's an essential. It's just polite. Um, as soon as I do most of my riding on my own, and a lot of the time is on test bikes, then I, I my mudguard kind of endeavours on the road mm-hmm. tend to extend to basically an ass saver. Do they work? Yeah, they they work really? enough to just well to save to save your mm, um your crack. Yeah, save your crack getting gritty. Yeah, that's all they do. You know, right. they're not going to keep you dry, but they keep the worst at bay. Okay, you know, the, we we mention Russell every now and again on the podcast because he's a, he's a friend of, of of ours and we ride with him sometimes. But he has the new ass saver, which, yeah, the new uh, gravel one. Yeah, and uh, to be fair, I I looked at it with disdain. And then we went for a ride and we got back from the ride and I looked at his back and my back and was like, yeah, okay, fair enough. So those those clip-on ones are really good, like, like simple solution. And there are a lot of road bikes out there that just don't have fixtures and fittings to put mm. more cards on. Or, you you know, if your bike's slightly older, or if your mine are, there just isn't the clearance. Mm. You know, so you you are kind of limited, you know. Ideally, yeah, full more cards, brilliant. Mm-hmm. For commuting, it's essential. Yeah. You know, um, and as I say, if you if you're... If you're riding in groups, then yeah, it's the polite thing to do. Mm. Um, I'm kind of agnostic, really, about my cars, though. You know, in in certain instances, I think, yeah, brilliant. You know, other times I think I'm going to get wet anyway. Mm -hmm. So saving, you know, my shins and, you know, my backside. Yeah. You know, everything else is wet. So I think the thing I found when I I ran um, a mud hugger, rear gravel hugger on my gravel bike all last winter. And like I said earlier, I tend not to go out when it's chucking down rain because life's too short. Um, but I found that the mud hugger really helped on when the ground was wet, but it, it wasn't wet. And I could go out in dry weather kit 
yeah. you know, non-waterproof kit, which I hate wearing waterproof kit. I'm sorry, it is a pain in the ass. Um, but a mud guard really prevented me then from getting wet and muddy and cold um, because they stopped all the spray coming up. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Um, on the mountain bikes, then go on, Al. Well, I, I just maybe add add a little point to, to mud mud guards on road bikes uh, and gravel bikes mm. as well. It protects the bike as well a little bit. Mm. So your headset bearings, your bottom bracket bearings less. But, you know, mostly your headset bearings. Mm. Let's just go with the headset bearings. And, um, mm. you know, your wheel bearings a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, it stops um, water ingress getting down. Yeah. Post, you know, sort of thing. yeah. I mean, especially if you're running like the I2. That's that's quite, yeah. a, you know, that's quite a good point. But, um, you know, I do think on the actual bike, we're quite, you know, there's quite a few ways to prep your bike mm-hmm. pre-wet riding. Mm. But, you know. Save those thoughts, Warren. I am saving those thoughts, yeah. <laughs> go on Al mountain bike mud guards yeah buy me buy, give me the, get them all have them. get them yeah, all just five they look they look terrible well the front front, front one ones, looks cool front one they, looks cool they can look alright yeah. so long as you don't go like super long because they then also look a bit rubbish the, the mid length the short ones they're like the bits of plastic that sort of fold underneath the arch or the, or the crown or whatever it is they're a bit crap pointless get like a proper like a mud hugger or an RRP something like that which yeah. is what like 40 centimetres long, that sort of thing. They go, they extend in front of the fork, which is really important because that's where spray comes off and they sort of do the, the down tube protection a bit as well. Yeah. So uh, the so f- I've learned recently, this has, been a, this has been a hard lesson. Uh, if you look down at your tyre when you're sitting on the bike, if you can see your tyre... You're going to get wet. You're going to get wet. If you can't see the back of your tyre... Okay. You're, you're probably going to be all right. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, definitely front... The front, front ones are really good. And there's a lot of, like, like bolt-on ones for the new forks. And I yep. don't like those because unless you've used those little bolts on the back of the fork from you, they're inevitably full of crap. Yeah. They're quite often full of paint anyway. Yeah. And a lot of the... They're just harder to adjust. They're harder to remove. And storing bikes with mudguards on is a pain. So... Get a good mud guard for the front with, ve- ve- the, with Velcro, the Velcro straps Velcro tabs, because then yeah. you can take them on and off. You know, we're I guess we're we're sort of relatively unique and we swap bikes all the time anyway. But the Velcro things just it makes storage and putting it in your bike or on, on your car rack or in your van a lot easier. Yeah, exactly. Um, but then the the rear ones are a little more contentious because mm. you you basically look like a motocross bike, um, yeah. but less cool. We could put like number boards on them though, like yeah. and monster yeah. stickers and things. Already done it. Yeah. Five monster monster stickers. <laughs> iron brew. You've got a can of iron brew. I've got here. a can of iron brew in the studio. Yeah. Um, so the rear one works in the same way as a rear, you know, road gravel. Your your mud hugger mm. gravel thing. It just stops the mud flicking off the back tire. Uh, and the crucial thing here is that if you want to keep yourself dry and clean, once again, the mud guard has to extend over the rearmost point of the tire. Because otherwise, the mud just flicks yeah, up beyond. Uh, it flicks over the mud yeah, guard yeah. and still goes onto your back. And that's where the aesthetics of your beautiful bike are absolutely are ruined. ruined, are destroyed. They do work. They work, mate. Honestly, yeah. so Harriet, my partner Harriet, she's got one on her e-bike, mm. um, and I've only got, I've got a modified shorter one because mm. I was struggling with it slapping the back tire mm. and making a lot of noise. So I've got a shorter one which protects the frame mm. and the dropper post, so they stay nice and clean and dry, which is great. Mm. But I still get muddy. She can literally get literally. She gets in the car in her riding kit on really? soaking wet days after having ridden with this guard on, and I have to get changed. Right. That's how much of a difference it makes. Yeah. It and is bonkers. Is the car seat still clean? <laughs> yeah, it's no. Well, hey, <laughs> she, just, hey, she just doesn't give a crap. No, no. Hey, we're talking about me here. It <laughs> I is, was it is say, yeah. No crummies in the front. That is the rule. No crummies. Um, yeah, you know, it, they are remarkable pieces of kit. And mm. for anyone who laughs at them or thinks they look silly, 
I'm just laughing back at you because you're soaking wet and yeah, you're covered fair. in mud That's and I'm fair. dry and clean. And I think I'm going to go down that route this year, this winter. Yeah. yeah. Probably and on the long term, on my long term bike. Yeah. Just going to get it done. Um, you know, Mudhugger, they've really closed in on that market. Mm. They have the monopoly there. Mm. And, you know, rightly so. It's a great product. They're the first one to do it. They were daring. Yeah. You know, they said, hey, do yeah. you know what? Practicality. Great Bruce. guys as well. Yeah, really nice. Bruin. Uh, J- Jason Bruce. Oh, my God. Jay and Bruce. Yeah. All right. Let's move on from my guards. Yeah. Oh, no. Well, let's talk winter tires. Let's talk winter tires. Before the end of this podcast, we're going to cover winter tires uh, maintenance to make sure that your bike stays clean and we're going to talk about a little bit of safety so let's talk about daylight running lights on the road bikes okay. which but, one first i'm confused well winter tires winter first. tires okay so mountain biking you got your mud tires right these are big square knobs with large spaces between mm-hmm. them and the idea behind these is that they dig into the ground mm. more so than a tire with tightly spaced knobs with you know more intricate sipes and tread patterns mm. The big spaces helps them dig in, but it also helps them throw the mud mm-hmm. away once they start rotating. Um, if you ride in particularly rocky or hard pack conditions, you can actually get away with dry weather tires. It's when it's super claggy, super yeah. muddy is when you want to be looking at mud tires. spiky one, like a Maxxis Shorty. Yeah, or exactly. A special Hillbilly. Yeah, precisely. Then there's like the mid, the middle ones, which are probably the ones that's most applicable to most riding for most of the time. If you're going to stick with one tire throughout the whole of winter, and I think the the classic there is the Magic Mary, which the Magic Mary is a great, a great tire. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, splash out on the front, go for your your ultra soft or your whatever mm. it is. Get a soft Addicts. compound one, basically. Softer than the soft, whatever yeah. the softer one ultra is. Ultra soft. Yeah, I think it's ultra. Yeah, yeah, that one for the front at least. Mm. You can get away with a harder one on the back, but yeah, front. Nice and sticky because that's going to help when you're riding over wet roots and rocks. Yeah. The rubber's going to deform beautifully and, and eke out every little bit of grip possible. Whereas Literally like a, stick to it. Whereas like a shorty, for example, kind of won't, mm. even in a soft one, because it's so wide this space, I sort of find them a bit sketchy on rocks and roots. But when you get to like Forest of Dean mud, yeah. the shorty is like yeah, the boss in. man. You're digging in, It's great. You? Yeah, it's yeah. Dug in from here. I love it. Right, on the road. On the road, I would say... Um, all I really look for in a winter tire is toughness. Okay. Toughness is, is the be-all. Forgo a few watts of rolling yeah, yeah, resistance. Exactly. Exactly. So, um, you know, it's good to have a, one that's got a little bit more of a tread on there, some sites that will just clear water mm-hmm. faster, et cetera, et cetera. But, you know, classics, Continental, Four Season, mm-hmm. um, the Pin- uh, Pirelli 4S is a really good winter tire. You know, been, I've been using those for a few years. Um, but most of the brands will offer, you know, some sort of Kevlar-guarded Mm-hmm. slightly heavier weight tyre. So, you know, I, I don't mind my average speed dropping by, you know, a mile an hour or two yeah. over, over the winter. It's much, much better than standing in, you know, kneeling down in the rain trying to fix a punch. Your average speed for the entire ride is going to be slower if you're punching all the time. Anyway. Exactly, yeah. yeah. And you're going to be unhappy, aren't you? You're going to be sad. Yeah, and on the gravel side, it's very much the same as, as mountain bike. You just uh-huh. go for a bit of a you know, wider space, more pronounced, you know. Uh, it's still quite a young... Yeah, area, but there are a few coming through that are actually yeah. pretty good. You know, um, Victoria's, I think it's the Terreno mud. Yeah, I've been quite impressed with that. Okay. And then, as we've mentioned, Russ earlier, Russ has got the new Pirelli mud gravel yeah. tire, which he um, seems to like that. I think. Yeah, he's he's liking it at the minute. So, hmm. I need to get some sort of winter gravel treads because I'm running um, Victoria Terreno dries mm. at the moment. Really nice tire, very fast. But, yeah. Not very grippy. <laughs> nice two-wheel drifting in the corners. Yes. On there. yes. On the, the clay mud around Bristol. Mm, tasty. Um, okay, let's very quickly, what sort of maintenance, is there any maintenance that we do before winter? What do we do? Oh, so 
them. I, I do like a bit of preemptive maintenance, I will say. Uh, if you're technically minded and mm-hmm. you have the right tools, you can always pop your bearing covers off. Okay. If you ride a full suspension bike or your wheels or your headset or even your bottom bracket, um, pop your bearing covers off, pack them full of grease. Get them in, get it in. You literally couldn't have enough grease in yeah. there if you tried. Um, okay, the bearings might not roll quite as fast initially, but you know that, that grease will, will break down, it will ooze out. And if they're full of grease, they're not going to be full of water. If mm-hmm. they're not full of water, they're not going to be full of rust. And if they're not full of rust, they're not going to wear out, basically. Um, and the other thing that I like to do is silicon spray. Okay. So once you, so b- before you go riding in the wet, spray the areas of your bike that come into direct contact with the mud. So, you know, bottom of the down tube, the bottom bracket, headset, fork stanchions or shock. If you've got a full suspension bike, drop a post with a bit of silicon spray. Mm-hmm. Do not get it on your brake rotors no. or your brake pads. That is bad. What the silicon does is it just repels the water. And it basically mm-hmm. means the water sits on the surface of the spray. So when you wash the bike down with a hose, the mud kind of just falls off. Um, and then, you know, as soon as you've finished it, you can spray that silicon spray back in there because it will displace the water that may have penetrated into the bike. Okay. And in terms of, let's talk brake pads. Sintered. Do not bother with anything else is my personal opinion. So sintered are basically kind of metallic ones. Yeah, they're metal ones. Bits yeah. of metal in there. Yeah. Rather than organic resin, rather than or organic. Um, dual, the, the, you know, the, what the mix one's called? Semi or... Yeah, semi, semi, semi-metallic. That's what they're yeah. called, aren't they? Go full sintered. Yeah. They... they will not wear as quickly. They're more powerful. They'll work in the wet. Mm-hmm. You'll have a great time. They probably won't squeal as much. There we go. Uh, Warren, what do you do pre-winter to your favourite bikes? Um, I think, it's again, it's just make sure everything's cleaned lubed properly you know you might want to go to a bit of a heavyweight chain lube that mm-hmm. won't just wash off in tough conditions and it's interesting alex talking about silicon i've been trying um recently uh bike ceramic okay which is uh yes quite expensive g-technic or yeah it's called. but i've i've treated two of my own road bikes with the mm. with the bike ceramic treatment which means you have to wash it i mean it's a proper detailing day. Yeah, yeah you just wash everything down leave it to dry apply the bike ceramic coating and then you have to sort of leave that to cure, then buff it. And it's quite frankly, it's brilliant. Really? Stuff just doesn't, you know, road grime yeah. and that kind of black oily splashes yeah. you get on your bike just doesn't adhere. Hmm. It just doesn't stick to it. Because effectively what the, this, this ceramic coating is doing is it fills all the imperfections hmm. in your paint surface. Even though if your bike looks perfect, hmm. um, it kind of fills it and makes it perfectly smooth, hmm. almost like glass-like surface. And and it just sheds hmm. You know, filth just sheds off the bike. So post-ride, cleaning your bike, half the time, mm. you know. And as I say, it is expensive. It was like a 15-mil bottle. But they claim it's good for kind of 36 months um, once you've done this full treatment. And, you know, the 15-mil bottle, I've managed to do three bikes. Okay. And so it's actually it's yeah, worked yeah. out pretty well. And if you look into, like, those that kind of ceramic paint cones, if you look at it for, like, automotive, mm. it costs you about three grand to have your car done in it. Wow. You know, so the actual performance benefit, I'm really, you know, time saving, basically. Yeah. And I don't mind spending a whole day just sort of, you know, going yeah. over my bike and doing every little detail. And the thing with the, the ceramic thing as well is that you can, you know, you can put it on like the, your rims, you know, and your carbon rims, and you can put it on your bars, you can put it on the stick, but on any, anything where it's a mud catchment, mm. area, you know, a dirt catchment area, and it just helps it all shed, mm. you know. But that's the that's the sort of basic, that's a Gucci option. But yeah, Alex yeah. is... You know, but silicon spray would do the same job. Yeah, so. Just nice. won't last as long. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, well, before we wrap this up, 
Let's very quickly talk about some safety stuff. And it's, I'm going to concentrate more on the road side of things. Sorry, Alex. Um, so high-vis clothing, lights. What do you go for if you're going to be out in sort of a dark, dank, grey, grim British weather? I mean, it depends on where you're riding, really. You know, if it's, um, if it's commuting time, and I know I'm going to be predominantly urban areas, don't necessarily have to go for a powerful light that you can see by. You just want lights that you can be seen. Mm. You know, so um, I will tend to, you know, tend to have a decent front light, a good rear light. I'm not a fan of flashing modes. I think they're okay. pointless yeah. because they're just a distraction for drivers. Mm -hmm. You know, if you've ever driven behind somebody who's got like loads of flashing lights, mm. they're just kind of, you know, mm. it, it's a, you know, I prefer just a really good solid or a slow pulse, mm. you know, those kind of high flash things. Yeah, yeah. To me, it just seems the way that light companies can claim, hey, this light will last for 500 hours. Mm. You know, well, of course it will. It's, you know, it's off half the time. Mm. Um, <laughs> um, so I think, uh, and accessory lights is always good as well, you know. Yeah, if it's a light on your bike, there's a light on the back of your helmet, you know, there's a, you know, even a light on the front of your helmet or whatever. Um, One's in the bottom of the drop bar in the end of the, yeah, yeah, the yeah, as yeah. a bar plug. Mm. Yeah. Seen that I mean, my, my commuting, my, um, commuting bike, I've got, um, I've got the Redshift um, pedals, which... Uh, okay, you yeah. have like inserts with lights yeah. and they're fantastic because they self-orientate. Mm. So no matter which way your pedal's facing, the front one shines light, the back one shines red. Mm. And they're super cool. And that's a kind of nice moving object. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. and... I think it's moving objects is what really sort of catches yeah. the eye. And the, yeah, the really interesting thing of those is they sort of light the ground up below you. Yeah. You know, so you are kind of... Especially you, you really notice it if you're riding on mm. unlit, unlit lanes. Um if I'm riding in more rural, you know, suburban or rural areas, do tend to go for a light that you can actually see by. Mm -hmm. um, obviously, on the road now, you've got the the new ST STVZO, mm. you know, which sort of caps the light beam mm. so that you're not going to blind oncoming traffic. Yeah, it just um, means you can't see when it's actually dark. I mean, the good ones are good, mm. uh, and there are a few now that are actually switchable. And that's the that's the best of both worlds because you're not blinding drivers when they come in, but as soon as they've they've gone, you can flick it back up and see everything. The main problem is that they cap the beam both left and right. Mm. So when you're approaching a junction, you need to turn left or right. You, as you turn into it, it sort of goes dark and you can't see where mm -hmm. you're going. Um, I mean, it's a it's a really tough thing, you know. It's like you you don't want to be an annoyance on a road, mm -hmm. but you want to be seen. It's a really fine balance. So yeah, and reflectives. Yeah, I kind of you know. Um, High vis is obviously brilliant. It's the, it's the, it's the thing to wear. Although most people are, will sort of shy away from it because mm. you you know you look odd. Mm -hmm. you, you you know you look like you're working for the local authority rather than out enjoying yourself on your bike. <laughs> so I quite like you know there's a lot there's a lot of really nice kit out there with really sort of reflectives. Yeah. I think you know um, Altura do it really well on mm -hmm. their kind of urban stuff. You know it's kind of stealthy reflectives that you know kind of light up like a Christmas tree in the dark. Mm. But you know in normal conditions they look relatively normal mm -hmm. um but that's for like night riding obviously high vis is the best thing you can be wearing in low light conditions or foggy or yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. It's, it's much more visible yeah you know black black might look cool but, but, but yeah yeah you're yeah, gonna you, get you, get run over <laughs> yeah um I, I would say just one point on safety and uh from mountain biking um depending on how long you're planning on being out for mm. spare layer spare food layer. Yeah. safety blanket you know, yeah. plenty of water. Same for road riding or gravel riding Always or adventure wise. riding. You know, just make sure that if you do have to stop for something innocuous as a mechanical, you can keep your body warm so that that doesn't turn mm -hmm. into... Something a bit more serious. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, definitely. Be prepared.
be sensible. Yeah, and you know, simple things like that is you know, if you're out, if you're out riding solo, which I am a lot of the time, I'm sure you know you are probably as well, Alex, out in the middle of nowhere. It's you know, turning incident detection on on your Garmin. Yeah, you know, even even air tagging your bike or, or getting something like the Knock Scout, mm-hmm. so you've got like a Find My, and you can give that code to to your partner mm-hmm. or whatever. So. You know, you can be tracked. You can be identified. Specialised, obviously, have the Angie system Andrew, yeah. for the helmets. You know, it's always. Totally. And there is increasing numbers of little radar lights coming on the market as well. So obviously, Garmin has a barrier, and they've just got one from Magic Shine as well, mm. which we're going to be reviewing. Yeah, Brighton have got one on the way as well. Yeah, worth considering. Okay, well, um, hopefully, there's a few nuggets of inspiration and information in the last. 30, 35 minutes or so. Of, four hours. Four hours of a little podcast on how to make sure that you enjoy riding through winter. And we hope you do keep riding through winter. Now, if you don't actually like riding through winter, there are things called Zwift and uh, other indoor training things. And there will be numerous podcasts coming out over the next couple of months covering all things indoor cycling, including, hopefully, a little series early in 2023. Because a lot of people do like it. A lot of people, a lot of people love and- it. As you said earlier, you do you. You do you. It's it's not my bag. <laughs> but uh, obviously, as regular listeners to the Bike Rider podcast will know, um, our man Simon von Bromley knows everything about all of these different things. And there is some, uh, there's plenty of content, I know, planned across the Bike Radar channels over the coming months about Spoiler indoor alert. riding. So keep an eye out for all of that. All that remains for me to say thank you ever so much, Alex, and thank you very much, Warren, and thank you for listening to the Bike Radar Podcast. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Bike Radar Podcast. If you've not done so already, please subscribe and share with your friends, or leave us a rating if you've enjoyed this episode. 